It's great to see you this morning in our second service of the day. What a great day it is. We've got Easter coming up very soon. And we're very excited about that. It's a great celebration in the Christian calendar. We, um, I have uh, three quick welcomes this morning as well, special welcomes. First of all, special welcome to anyone that's broadcasting online right now. Um, I know we usually have quite a good size audience online. You're always welcome to be a part of us, of course. And of course, if you're ever in town, please visit us. Um, and there's also a chat box right there by the side of the broadcast window. And um, we have some online pastors that would love to pray with you. Um, you can speak with them privately or even um, publicly in the chat box. We'd love, to, we'd love to get to know you more. Jerry, I know you're watching right now. So we got, we got an eye on you, Jerry. You know it. Everybody knows who you are now. Can't run away from us. Um, second group of people would love to welcome is, if you're new here this morning, a very special welcome to you. My father used to always say that Jesus is looking for a fat bride for his wedding day. So I believe we want to fill up this building, fill up this church and uh, give him a fat bride that he's looking for. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. So we want to welcome you here this morning. Also a very special welcome for me anyway, uh, to, my, to my, my brother and my sister have come into town and uh, they're... they're uh, <laughs> They're looking for a place to stay, so if anyone you know, <laughs> has got a place to stay for them, that'd be great. Oh, and uh, my, my sister doesn't like uh, being publicly pointed out, but it is her 50th birthday today. And she's gonna... <laughs> To you, <laughs> happy birthday. To you, happy birthday, dear old lady. Uh, Katrina, happy birthday to you. Oh, God. Your very good Chinese friends, Hugh and Millie Asian, gave you a call and said, happy birthday. Get it? Hugh and Millie Asian, cumulation. Never mind. Thank you. I'm here every Sunday right here. But we have a testimony this morning. We love testimonies. We love sharing about what God has done in people's lives. And as many of you have known, we, we have started a, a finance campaign to get a bigger place because our vision is go, has apparently gotten bigger than this building. And, um, and so we have, many of you are involved in that. And we're really excited because it's not just about what we give to the, the building campaign, but what we're expecting God to do through us. So my, uh, Micaiah, can you tell us what's been going on? Absolutely. So um, in December, late December, I got engaged. Wow. Very exciting. Wow. And we are set to get married in April. And weddings can be very expensive. <laughs> and we are, so when we first got engaged, we made a budget. Of this is how much we're going to spend on everything. And it was great. And then we also made a budget for once we got married, everyday life. What is our life going to be like? How much money are we going to be bringing in? And all of that. And we decided that we needed to get a new car because both of our cars were very unreliable. So we set aside money in that budget for a new car um, so that we could eventually pay for one cash. Um, and then we also knew that the building campaign was going to be starting. And so we set aside money every month for that campaign. And then we had that meeting yeah. on January 30th. And both of us decided that we felt like we should give exactly twice as much as we had budgeted for. So that was definitely difficult to do, but we both felt like we should do it, so we did. We committed to twice of what we had originally gone in with. And then about three weeks ago, I was sitting at a red light, 
and from behind me, someone just runs right into me. He didn't see that there was a, a red light, I guess, and so he hit me really hard. He was in a truck. I had a really small car. I'm fine, but I hit the car in front of me as well, and it ended up being a total loss. So I had been talking with his insurance company. Uh, I looked up the value of my car on Kelly Blue Book, and it said it was worth $1,500, which is ouch. Uh, so a few weeks later, uh, got a call from the insurance company, and they said they were going to give a little bit under three times what the car was actually valued wow. at. It's wow. so, uh, apparently unlike insurance companies to be generous, but yeah, that <laughs> so awesome. that's it. Can we just make clear we don't recommend that as a formula for blessing? So, God, let someone crash into me is not the prayer we're encouraging. Um, but good. Um, we are excited about the next few months because we've got some really amazing um, uh, um, series, teaching series that, you know, about growing a church. And I am really excited about that. And of course, we've got Easter coming up. And I want you to take a time to invite someone. Start asking God now, who should I invite to hear about what you have done in our lives and what you've done for us. So let's just pray for those people right now. Father, we ask that you would open up a door for the people that we need to speak to in the next coming two weeks to invite for the great celebration and story of what your son did for us when he died and rose again. Lord, we already have this story. We already have this reality in our lives, but we want it to be spread out to the north, to the south, to the east and the west. Open up those doors right now in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. This morning, I want to talk about the other resurrection. And this is uh, maybe a scripture that we don't, uh, you've probably not heard much being taught about. That's not very good English, but you've not heard much being taught from this scripture. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great scripture though. And we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter uh, 27, verses 45 to 56. If you have your Bibles with you, you can feel free to read from that or it's up on the screen here. And it starts at verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is the prayer that he said as he was hanging on the cross. So as he was about to die, this is what was happening. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, well, he's calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, screamed out, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, <clears throat> the curtain of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Thank God for his word this morning. 
When we're reading this, there's three strange things that seem to be happening in this story. And the first one is that the sun went out for three hours. Now, the phenomena that happened here was a, a, a cosmic phenomena because the ability for the sun to send its light to the earth was completely blanked out. Was it such a thick cloud or something? Well, no, there is no cloud that's thick enough that can really shut out all the light. But it says the sun, uh, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the earth. <coughs> was it over just that, that city? Was it just over that region? Was it over that country? Was it over that hemisphere? What was it? I don't know. But what I do know is it's saying the entire darkness came over the land and not just for a few minutes or something. So this wasn't just an eclipse. This was complete darkness for three hours. Now we know theologically that's where, that's where Christ was finally becoming the, the, the final part of the sacrifice to bridge uh, the, 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 the worlds of heaven to earth and to hell uh, up to heaven as well. So he was becoming the bridge between those two, these two worlds from heaven to hell. And it was a dark moment because God had to turn his back entirely. And the thing is, when God is not in our lives, then light doesn't shine very well because God is, is, is lightness or brightness. Number two, we know this, that the temple curtain ripped in two. This was a religious phenomenon. Verse 51, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, from top to bottom, this was a big curtain. It was like 60 to 80 foot tall and probably about 20 foot wide. So this roof here is maybe about 30 foot tall or so. So imagine double the height. That's a big curtain. And it said that it was the, it was the breadth, the hand breadth of, of, a, of a hand. So that's maybe about four inches thick is what this curtain is. Now, many of you might think about that and go, it's, you know, it's just a big curtain. But we have to understand this curtain had such meaning for the Jews and for the Israelites. I think of it in the sense of if we took the, 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 the massive flag that hangs above the White House right now and someone went up there and just ripped it in two or burned it or something, how would you feel about that? Why is that so significant? Because it stands for what, it's, it's a symbol of what you stand for. It's a symbol of what you believe in. It's a symbol of the, of the foundation of this country. It's a symbol of what you hold on to for hope of freedom in this country. It's a symbol of all the sacrifices that had been made in the generations that had existed before up to you existing today. And suddenly that flag is torn in two. Your past Everything that had been built up to that moment was torn in two. That's what the curtain really stood for, for the Israelites. So this was a, a very important religious symbol. And we know as Christians, of course, that that curtain was, 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 was what kept God from us. From the, that was the, it was the curtain that, that stopped us from being able to go into the Holy of Holies and being obliterated, from being, from being killed or dying because the holiness of God would actually kill us and burn up the, the sin from the inside of us. And what it was symbolizing was that when Jesus died, that that curtain that separated us from God was now finished. It was gone. We now are able to boldly go into the presence of God is what the Bible says, because Jesus made a way. So the curtain being torn in two was a very important thing. And then of course, the third uh, strange thing that happened was there was an earthquake, <coughs> excuse me, that split the rocks. <coughs> and in verse 51, it simply says, the earth shook and the rocks split. Now, we know this, that, that if you actually, I wish I had a picture up on the screen. If you Google Golgotha in the, in the, on Googles, 
you'll see pictures of Golgotha and it literally looks like a skull. It looks like a face of a skull because it actually means the place of the skull. But the rock, the strata is horizontal, but there are these big gashes down the, the rock face that tell us there was definitely earthquakes that happened there. So, you know, for an earthquake to happen there was quite a, I'm sure it was a shaking feeling, pardon the pun, but that's what happened. And what we know is that there was two earthquakes. Now, when we read, when we read the scripture here, we can see that um, uh, there was, there, there, there's kind of, this kind of looks like it was a, a problem with chronology of what they're saying in that scripture. And you can read it by yourself later. But it's indicating that there was an earthquake when Jesus died and then there was an earthquake when he rose from the grave. And this is what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about the other resurrection. So let's read from verse 51. It says, The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs after Jesus' Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So I don't know if you've really read this before and just kind of skipped over it, but let me, let me have a quick look of what, what the, the whole thing of of dying was about in those days. We know this, that it says later on, if you keep reading in that, that chapter, <coughs> excuse me, it says that there was a tomb that was provided by a very wealthy man called Joseph, who was from a place called Arimathea. And he's went to the, he went to the, the Romans and said, can I take the Jesus' body and put it in my tomb? And the reason why Jesus had to borrow a tomb is because he had no plans to stay in a tomb. Right, So he had to actually borrow someone else's tomb because there's no point in wasting that money, which makes me really realize that I think he was more Scottish than he realized because he didn't want to waste money on tombs that he wasn't going to be using for long, right? Waste the money. So <clears throat> what he did is he borrowed this tomb that was made out of the face of a rock and it was cut in, it was incised in, and they would put the, the, the body in there and they would roll this rock over, which was about two tons. That's what rich people did. But if we look in the area that is called the Kidron Valley, which is, um, which is where, where uh, uh, Jesus was, was killed, this is in, in Jerusalem, and you can see how rocky it is and all the, 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 uh, the abodes that are there, and it's a very rocky place, a very unforgiving place, so it's not easy just to dig a hole of, of sand like it is in Florida, right? You just dig a hole of sand and throw someone in there, right? So, so there, it was a little bit more difficult to actually put people in a tomb. And so they would only be able to you know, dig maybe about two to three foot down. And then what they would do is once they put them in that depression, they would put a big slab of stone over the top of them. Now, this is a picture that you're looking at of common tombs that are in the Kidron Valley in cemeteries there. Now, of course, this, these are probably a little bit nicer tombs because they've got sides and they've got fronts and they look a bit more pretty, but it wouldn't have looked as pretty as this. But if we look at the cemeteries that are there, look at the amount of cemeteries there. You don't see many pictures of this, do you? When you're looking at pictures of Israel, yes, you see the, you see the, 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 the dome of the rock up there. See on the top where that, that temple is up there? That's where uh, David's temple or Solomon's temple used to be. That's where all the wars go on between the, you know, the different factions there, etc. But on the other side of the valley is this cemetery that's massive. It's absolutely massive. And, and it's fascinating to have a look at this because, because it, it, it just... I would, I would love to go stand there and look at all those bodies that are waiting for the resurrection, for the return of Christ to come. But here's the amazing thing. 
As we've read in the scripture there, there was a first earthquake that happened that says that it shook the top off of the, the tombs. And so you've got this, you've got this earthquake as Jesus died and he let out his, his last breath. There's an earthquake that hit and you can, people reacted because it said that many of them went, surely this was God. It wasn't just a centurion. There was plenty of people that looked at the phenomena happening and going, wow, surely this must have been God. But imagine what happened where you had all these, all these tombs that had just been, have the, 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 the tombstones just shaken off of the top and suddenly you've got all these dead bodies that were now revealed to the world. A really odd story. Let me tell you, the movie or the TV show Walking Dead hasn't got a touch on this story, right? Hasn't got, I mean, some of you people are really into that whole story of the walking dead and they're all kind of walking around like this. That's got nothing on this. Imagine the stink in the city. Imagine the sight of all these dead bodies just kind of lying there and your grandmother's there, you know, like all twisted up and stuff like that and the, the things, the, 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 the letters come off the top. But what I find more fascinating is that they actually were there for three days. The lids were slid off the top for three days. Well, why didn't someone go to the grave and go, well, we can't have this. Let's push the, let's push the lid on the tops of these, these bodies. The reason why they couldn't do it is because they had entered into the Passover. And the Passover is where they had to make themselves pure and holy before God. They had, to, they had to take a lamb and sacrifice it in order to purify their sins for the year. Well, the good news was that Jesus became the final lamb for the purification of their sins. But because they were still celebrating the Passover, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't touch dead bodies. They couldn't go to the cemeteries because then they would have been unclean and their sins would not have been forgiven before God. And so imagine all these bodies just kind of laying around, just around up there with their, their lids just kind of slid off the top for three whole days, I can't imagine the stench that was in that city. But there was a second earthquake. And the second earthquake came, it says, when Jesus rose from the dead. And then it says, and those corpses got up because they were resurrected and they walked into town. Now, I don't know what you're like, but if my dad came walking in here right now and went, hey son, um, you, need to, you, know, you need to tighten up your tie there, I'd be freaking out right now. Right? So I have no problem with the concept of, of the, the, the small stories of people being resurrected. And I have no problem with the concept of Jesus is resurrected and I have a future resurrection. But how many of us have a problem of a resurrection happening right now amongst us? We're not really, we think that we're ready for resurrection. But if we saw uh, resurrected saints, and by the way, they were saints if we saw resurrected saints coming in here right now who had been dead and been resurrected, I think we'd be losing our minds right now. We'd be freaking out, right? We'd, you know, understandably to some degree. But the one thing that I think is interesting about this is that there was a progression to what went on with all the resurrections. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I know I've got a, oh, they've changed it. Thank you guys who've changed my spelling mistake. So there was a progression in the resurrection miracles that went on. And in Mark chapter five, verse 35, there's a story, if you remember, about the little girl and the centurion had run up to Jesus and said, will you come and pray for my little girl? She's dying right now. And just as he had asked them, uh, his servants came running in and went, hey, Mr. Centurion, don't worry about it. Your, your daughter's died. Don't, don't, don't bother the teacher. And so Jesus said, don't worry 
she is already alive. She's just sleeping. So she was only dead for a few minutes. And then, of course, there was the young lad who was dead for hours, and Jesus resurrected him. And then, of course, there was Lazarus, his very, very good friend, who had been dead for four days. And I don't know if you know anything about death, but after four days, it starts to stink in there. It's, it's starting to rot. And even his sister said, no, no, it's been four days. Don't open up the tomb. And he said, open up that freaking tomb. I'm ready to do something right now, right? So four days, he resurrected up Lazarus. But then it came to the cemetery where you had people that were dead for years. We have no problem with this idea of Jesus only being dead for three days and he was resurrected because surely his body wouldn't have been completely destroyed. But these were people that were dead for years and they rose up from the grave. And we know that there's one final resurrection that we are all looking towards. And that is the resurrection of the final day when Jesus will raise all the living and all the dead and bring them to life. And then he will judge us all. We know this, right? But when as I look at this, I believe that we can only see ourselves in the future. What does this mean as we're talking about this resurrection? This resurrection in this period of the cemetery resurrection is the period I believe that we walk in, that we live in right now. There's a period I believe that is in our lives that we have to understand, <coughs> that our resurrection has already begun. Just because you don't see the fullness of life in your body or in your life doesn't mean that resurrection hasn't begun. Hello, it has begun. When Jesus died, it was done. When Jesus died and he was in the grave for three days and then the Father raised him to life, it says the same spirit that raised him to life is the same spirit that raises us to life. That was the day that God got back in the creating business. And the fact is that even though uh, you could get scoffers or naysayers that say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead and maybe his... Um, Disciples just stole his body and ran off with it and then told everybody, oh, Jesus raised from the dead. How are you going to explain all these people's lives that have been affected by this man who died on a cross? How are you going to explain the hundreds and thousands of people that were raised from that grave and came walking into town? How do you explain the hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of people throughout time who have given their lives sacrificially for one man who died on a cross thousands of years ago? How do you explain that? I'll tell you how you explain it. Because our Father has got back into the creating business. He started it all over again. He spent six days creating, took a rest, and then waited for the day when His Son would die and be raised again, and He got back into the creating business. What I found as I looked at this is that the process has actually changed. God hasn't actually created, in the beginning, He created the heavens, and then He created the earth, and then He created mankind, then He created man and woman out of, <coughs> out of mankind, and then he breathed into them and gave them a heart, gave them life. This time around, he's breathing into us and giving us new life, and he's recreating us from the inside to the outside, and he said, just wait until you see what I've got in store for you. I've got a new heaven and a new earth that will come. He has flipped this thing upside down. Why would he do that? Because the first time around didn't work out as well. We messed it up. When he created everything that he had, everything for us to have and then created us and then put life into us, we messed it up through our own sin. He's not gonna allow that to happen again. So he's gonna create us from our hearts and then give us all the rest thereafter. I'm excited by that because in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anybody, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. 
thanks be to God. You know, the great news about this is that when he rested on the Sabbath day in the beginning, he started up again today. 2,000 years ago, he fired it back up, a day, uh, up again. And on Sunday mornings is where he recreates men and women's hearts. That's why I come to church. That's why I come to be in the presence of God because he is in the recreating business and bringing us alive on Sundays. Wow, how awesome is that? But the third thing is this. I have found this, that there is a period between raising the lid and raising the person. There's a period between raising the lid and raising the person. And you think about all these bodies that were, that were, their lids were rattled off. And their lids were rattled off when Jesus died for them. Jesus died for our sins. And when that happened, it says our lids were rattled off. The great news is this, is that whoever has put a bondage on you, whoever has put chains on your life, God has tied their hands that they can't come back into your life and put the lid back on. God has not actually allowed your past to dictate your future. Even if your parents did it wrong, even if your marriage fell apart, even if you don't know how to get your health together, even if you were abused, even if you were abandoned, let me tell you, every person who laid a hand on you or dictated what you should think or what you should do, by the cross of Christ, their hands have now been tied. They can't put that lid on you. Because those who have the resurrection power within them through the cross of Christ have now been freed. And the only reason why you can lie there and still believe that you have no right to get up is simply because you're waiting for someone to put the lid back on top of you. Or maybe you're shimmying it back on top of you. And it's amazing how we come up with reasons or, or, or why the way we are. And we come up with reasons of this is the way I am because... I wasn't raised well, or my parents were bad, or I didn't really have good pedigree, or I didn't have a lot of money in life, so therefore, I can't become greater than myself. And we're basing it based on whoever put us in that grave, whoever created that hole for us, and whoever put the lid on top of us. But it says in my Bible that when the cross of Christ happened, those things were taken off of us. All the chains were broken off is what hymns tell us. The chains flew off and we have been resurrected through Jesus Christ. But this whole waiting period between the lid sliding off and the raising of the person sometimes is what gets us doubtful. Sometimes, the, here's the thing. When the bodies were actually there and the lid slid off, they were looking towards something. Where were they looking towards? They were looking heavenwards. And I believe we're in this period ourselves where we know that something has happened. There is a price that has been dealt with. There's a, a debt that I had that is now gone. And I'm looking heaven to, heavenwards. And sometimes you see visions of what God is calling you to do, but they don't manifest or happen straight away. And then we start doubting because, well, maybe they're not gonna happen. Or, you know, it was my family who put me here in this spot, so maybe I don't have a right to come out of this place. Or maybe I'm waiting for those people to come back and slide this stuff over the top. I'm just waiting for the foot to fall, the boot to fall, and everything's gonna fall apart. It's probably all gonna happen again because I've already been through this before, but you don't understand that once Jesus died for you, your life has changed. Your future is changed. And you've got to decide whether that is true or it's not true. Because when the day of resurrection came and they started kicking and stretching their legs, you can imagine them going, what? 
This is awesome. I have been waiting for this day for a long time. Can you imagine the life that surges through them? Now, why would God resurrect the dead? Because He has a job for us to do. There is a testimony that must come from us and we must go out and give it to people. But we have got to find resurrection in our life once again. You have to understand you will walk in places that you have once walked that were dead to you that were removed from you. You will go to places that you've never imagined. You'll go to cities, excuse me, you'll go to countries. You'll maybe go to uh, your, the old place where you were born and you were raised. You'll go to places and you'll still go there and go, Father, you gave me a heart, you gave me a vision for this place. I believe you're going to work through that. I believe you're gonna resurrect that. I believe that you're gonna put a testimony inside of me that will give me the freedom to be able to say how great you are. There's something I do in my life. I was telling someone about this the other day. <clears throat> I have a thing called an impossible list in my life. And that impossible list is a list of things that I really wanna do. And let me tell you, they're not all spiritual, just in case you were wondering, you know, he's really holy, so he's probably got spiritual things. <laughs> they're not. A lot of them are very unholy things. They're fun things, I can guarantee you that. There are things I really want to achieve, really want to do, and what I've learned to do is I take those things and I put it on a list and I put it on a list that's called my impossible list. Now, Peter, all things are possible for those that are in Christ. And you know, you just wanna put that limitation on you. Listen, I didn't say it was God's list. I said, it's my list. It's stuff that I can't do lying in a grave. There's stuff that I can't do until the resurrection of Christ comes into my life and manifest those things and make them happen. Some of them are non-spiritual and some of them are spiritual. You know the thing I love about this list is it removes the permission for me to come up with reasons of why I can't do it. You know why? Because it already says it's impossible. So why would I come up with reasons of why I can't do those things? Why would I start listing things in my mind of, here's the reason why I can't do this. Here's the person who stopped me from doing that. I can't move forward. And it's amazing how many people you probably come across in your life that give you reasons of why they can't move forward, why they can't take a step forward, simply because someone else has put something in front of them and they can't move forward. Let me tell you, if this person is in front of me, there are lots of directions I can take a step. There's lots, plenty of directions. There's one, I'll take it that way. You can take a step forward. You don't have to wait till that person is removed. God has removed the lid from you. There are plenty and billions of millions and billions of options of steps you could take forward. That's how good our God is. I want you to be encouraged this morning that if you are in a waiting period and you still feel the death upon you, I want you to look towards heaven and take hope, trust that He didn't just pay for your sin, but He is ready to resurrect you into a testimony of how great He is. Do you want a piece of that pie? Because it's going away for free. It's not something you have to pay for. It said it was a free gift from God. And I believe that we have to start believing this stuff and allowing God to work it out in His time. There's nobody else coming around to put that lid back on you. Let's pray, let's uh, stand this morning and thank God for what he's given us. <clears throat> Father, as we go to our groups this week, we're grateful that we have each other to encourage each other. We're grateful that the same spirit that raised your son from the dead is the same spirit that is within us. And Father, you have given many of us visions of what you're calling us to do. You've given us, many of us, insight 
of what we're meant to do. And Father, we pray that you would heal our hearts, heal us from the inside to the outside, because we know you're not gonna change this body until our heart is changed. We know you're not gonna give us a new earth and a new heaven until our hearts are changed. And so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would go into every heart this morning, every heart that has been broken from past relationships, from disappointments, from hard work and you're tired, from, from loss of money, from loss of jobs, from loss of relationships. Father, I pray that you would recreate all hearts in this building right now according to the spirit that raised your son from the dead. And I pray, Father, that a new vision would come to their eyes and it would go from their heart into their eyes to see what you've got in store for us. And then it would start to leak into the rest of our bodies, that energy would come back to us, that a new fire in our spirit would just be burning inside of us, that a new desire for greater things would come upon us. And then, Father, I pray that you would send us out back into our pasts, back into our futures, back into old circles. And I pray, Father, you would give us a testimony that would bring life to the cities we're meant to be in. Take, take a moment just to be with God and ask Him to bring your heart alive. What lid is on your life that you keep sliding back on through excuses or through memories? What lid has been slid off by the cross of Christ? What vision has God given you that might be delayed? Trust Him that He will resurrect you once again and your testimony will be loud and clear. Father, we ask for your blessing in everything we do, we ask in your precious Son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. May God bless you and keep you. Have a great day.